0: Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your hosts, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton.
1: Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in to today's episode. This is episode C5. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, it's good to be back, buddy. I know a lot's changed uh, since the last time I was here. You're now a number one best-selling author
0: without your help i mean this drug it carry the load without you i don't know you know the last time you're on the show the last time you're on the show if the audience remembers you came on here and you said hey ron aren't you on vacation and i said josh if i was on vacation i would be doing the show and then guess who missed two weeks in a row guess who missed two weeks in a row uh, that would be you that'd be you well, buddy
1: <laughs> Just, just to be clear here, on the first week, on the first week, you were uh, had to change up your schedule a little bit because of something. So, uh, hey, it,
0: does, it doesn't matter why, Josh. It doesn't matter why you just weren't here. That's all that matters, okay? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, on on the book, on the book, the number one bestseller, I, I heard through the grapevine, y'all had one hell of a editor, so. Uh, <laughs> uh, big shout out Yeah,
0: that's right That's right If there's any edit problems With the book Blame Josh Not me So if you read it And you go <laughs> uh, There's something wrong you, got, you missed a sentence Or this doesn't make sense Josh Shelton did edit the book I, I Obviously Josh I told you offline But online Thank you so much But yeah All the editorial uh, problems you know, blame the one and the only Josh Shelton. Um, no, it's been good, man. We had Ellen in last week co-hosting, and uh, she did great, as always. And David Blackman came on the week before. We had on Brian Mon, and um, we had on the folks from Energy Funders. So it's been a couple good weeks, but right now, I mean, it's a crazy week. As uh, I know we're talking about in a second with um, the news from Pioneer and OPEC and what's going on there. But um, first, let's thank our sponsor, which is Really Info. If you are in the land business survey right away, mineral acquisition, whatever it is, and you need access to courthouse records, drilling info has you covered. Go to uh, globalenergymedia.com slash courthouse. That's globalenergymedia.com slash courthouse and get your free $100 credit
1: today. Well, Ryan, while I was away, uh, I I came back shocked. We had had reviews coming in. It seemed like every day um, over the last week and a half, two weeks. So we've gotten about nine uh, re- reviews that have come in, and four written. So uh, I'm going to read through those, Ryan. Uh, the first one came back uh, back at the end of May. is Garrett223. I'm a new listener, and I enjoy the show very much. Lots of good information and opinions. Then we got uh, on uh, June 10th, a guy by the name of Jake Hollins um, gave us a review. Only reason I didn't give five stars because the audio quality. By the way, you should definitely talk about this on your show. The book, The Great Oil Conspiracy Oil is a Renewable Resource. Uh, it's good information. Uh, we might have to check that book out there. Then we have Thomas H37, informative and entertaining. He gave us a five star rating. He says, Awesome way to stay up to date on the Texas oil and gas industry and a great alternative to reading the news. Always look forward to new episodes. Keep up the good work, guys. Thanks a lot, Thomas. And uh, Fuel S91. He gave us a five-star, wrote, great to be able to multitask with this podcast and keep on oil and gas news while I'm doing other things. That's what it's for, Phil. So appreciate the reviews, guys, all 'all, y'all. We really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, yeah, really do. Really means a lot. And, um, you know, so so the really question is, Josh, is that uh, if we improve the audio quality, Will Mr. Collins come back, or Miss Collins potentially come back and give us the five star? That's, I mean, that's. Are, are we bartering over one star here? Because I feel like there's one star hanging out there, and um, potentially, you know, if we can get that one star, we might improve the audio quality. But if, hey, we can't, yeah. if we can't get that last star, then do we go through the trouble of improving the quality? That's the question. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. Well, so, we gotta
0: wait. We, we, go, go ahead, sorry, Josh.
1: Was late on the line, man. Look, we if we if we get the qual the, the sound quality up on the next episode, Mr. Collins has to come back and give us a five star. That seems like a good deal to me.
0: It it only makes sense to me. Uh, but no, really, thank you guys so much for the reviews. It does mean a lot. And uh, on the audio quality, a couple things. So first off, Josh and I are not in the same room, so that does cause some problems with some of the audio stuff that we do, just because we're recording over Skype. Like right now, I can tell. Just from the recording, that there's a little bit of interference on our connection. So, Josh is going to be a little choppy on this episode. Nothing we can do to fix that. I think what Mr. Collins or Mrs. Collins is referring to is sometimes the audio isn't balanced. That's mainly because I edited them myself, and if we had a professional editor, they'd probably sound better, but I will spend a little bit more time to try to balance out these shows because we do want to deliver a high-quality product to the listener. so that is on me. Um, A couple other things I know we want to get to. We have an event coming up in July, and if you are on Instagram, you need to follow us. We'll be talking about it a lot on there which is at Texas Oil and Gas Podcast. But um Landon Morgan, you remember that name from the um the API uh the API, the uh, YPE event that we did here just a few months ago. Uh God it's hard to believe that was back that was back in May, wasn't it? Man, time flies. Cool. Um you know so that we have a desk and Derek shoot that's coming up and um that will be that will be on Friday, July twentieth over here in decatur texas and so if you are in the fort worth dallas fort worth area and you want to go out and get into some clay shooting um that will be friday july 20th right at globalengine.com or um you can go to desk and Derek club and i'm sure they can give you the information landon is always doing good stuff so uh sure it will be a great event there so we have that coming up josh um it's on on the drawing though i've mentioned the drawing so we talked about doing the drawing at the end of, end of june now, a couple of things. One, Josh hadn't been here the last two episodes, so we haven't really talked about reviews. So we're going to push it back until July 12th, and that's a couple of reasons. One, we missed two weeks. Also, we're not going to do a show July 6th because the force in the middle of the week. Probably won't be a lot of news breaking that week, so we're going to skip July the 6th. We will be back July the 13th. And when we're back, we will do the drawing. So to enter the drawing, you have to leave a written review. If you leave the stars, we love it. We appreciate it. It means a lot, but we just don't know who did that. So we can't, we can't put you in the drawing simply. It's just the way iTunes works, unfortunately. Um, so if you leave us a written review in iTunes, you are entered. Whether you did it yesterday, six months ago, or a year ago, you are entered into the drawing. Um, and so you have until... Let's see here. The show come. we, we record the show on Friday. So July the 13th, we will record it, which probably means July the 12th. So I would have it baby in no later than the 9th than the, than the or 10th. I think it takes maybe 24 hours sometimes from the show up. So, you need to get it in before probably July 8th or 9th, maybe 10th at the latest, because we'll go get Rafflecopter, I can never say that name, Rafflecopter or whatever they're called, someone to go do a drawing for us. But on that episode, when we record July the 13th, uh, if you have a written review in, we will announce the winner of the $50 Visa gift card and really appreciate all the feedback we've got on the show.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. I mean, it was, uh, it was awesome seeing all the reviews come in uh, over the last month or so. Well, Ryan, we have uh, lots of interesting stuff to cover this week. We're going to kick things off with an article, a uh, Forbes article from Ellen Wald. She was a guest on the show last week. She published an article this morning, uh, I mean, just about an hour or so ago, actually. And it is uh, regarding the OPEC agreement that came out where they're going to, I believe, increase their, their uh, drilling and, and production. Is that right, Ryan?
0: Yeah, they're going to create increase it. And this has been the discussion is how much. Um, mm-hmm. And according to Ellen's reporting here, it's going to be um, 700,000 additional barrels a day. And I say her reporting, she's not a reporter, but she's quoting the Nigerian oil ministry manual. Um, I'm going to get that last name wrong, but uh, um, uh, 700,000 700, additional barrels a day. Now, here's why this is important. Yep. Uh, a couple things to watch for. First off, I read a report yesterday that indicates that Venezuela might drop another 300,000 barrels off the market in July. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but there is some speculation about that. If that happens, then that means the increase would only be 400,000 barrels a day increase. Now, we still have the weekend to go through with OPEC to see exactly how everything shakes out. But as of right now, it looks like 700,000, a bar- uh, 700,000 barrels per day increase. We talked, Josh, if you remember, and the audience remembers back in, you know, whenever OPEC met last year, November, whatever it was. And they Mm -hmm. said they had a deal that would go through 2018. And we said, well, they'll probably sit down mid-year and revisit it. And we talked about this with Ellen last week. Or I talked on Energy Week podcast with her. Um, I can't remember. But, um, you know, they're sitting down and revisiting. Prices are skyrocketing. They're going up, going up, going up. And Venezuela is, you know, uh, falling apart. Iran sanctions are coming online soon. You have all these things, and demand's going up, and so you have all these things, and people are sitting back going, wow, how high, how high could prices go? And so OPEC stepping in and saying they're, they're going to put another 700,000 barrels on the market. Um, it's a little bit more complicated than that, as I mentioned. I think there's a lot of moving parts here, and it wouldn't surprise me if in three to four months we're sitting back down again, and OPEC's readjusting these numbers. And, and I say adjusting them, they might even increase them again because if demand goes up and Venezuela keeps declining and Iran sanctions go through um and all that stuff happens, you could see a need for more than this. But um you know, that's where we're at right now. And for us here stateside, you know, I know we a lot of people like saying, hey, hundred hour oil is what I'm looking for. And I understand that mentality. We talked about it on the show before we think the kind of the boom sometimes can can um have negative effects in the long term. But um but I think this is probably a good number for, for today. Um, and then, again, I think we will see them probably re- revisit this in three to four months. Uh, th- they're going to revisit it because they have a meeting, but actually
1: change this number in three to four months. Yeah, you know, Ryan, b- before this morning, I actually had another article from I think Bloomberg that was detailing some stuff about this. Uh, and they had it at 600,000 barrels. But I think the information that Ellen has here is a bit, bit closer to original sources here. She's talking to... The Saudi oil minister and getting some quotes from them. I'm not talking to him, but she's getting some quotes directly from them that shows that it's 700,000. I wonder if there's any disparity Uh, because she mentions at the end of it that uh, when someone was trying to get clarification on what they were going to – how much they actually produce, there was not – so, it, it, if you look at the last paragraph, it says it seems that OPEC resolved its internal differences by not addressing them. And uh, when questions at the press conference, OPEC president, UAE minister, whatever, didn't decide how effective uh, the increase in production would be spread across member countries. So, it's right. um, like I yeah. said, it's really not set yet. Yeah, there, there, there,
0: there, yeah, so there's a couple things there. One is when OPEC talks about increasing stuff, you're always curious what it means and how it shakes out. Um, the other thing is. Um, You know, Iran yesterday—now, they're, they're, they're over in Vienna, so the time difference kind of messes with me here. But I think yesterday or this morning or whatever it was, she wrote a piece on this on Forbes as well. You know, the Iran oil minister, I believe it was, you know, left the meeting and was all mad. And um, so there's been a lot of stuff going on here um, at these meetings, a lot of grandstanding, as there always is, and stuff like this. People, you know, if they feel disrespected, they're going to puff out their chest and, you know, they're every—you know. Listen, I know we talk about we talk about politics sometimes on here, but we have to remember these are all politicians and they're all trying to get the best deal for their country. And so if they feel like going in there and, you know, uh, raising a big stink is the way to do it, that's what they're gonna do. If they feel like going there and being quiet, negotiating quietly is the best way, that's what they're gonna do. Uh, it's based on their personality and all of those things as well. Um so yeah, there was a big deal with the Iranian I think it's foreign minister or old minister, I can't remember. You know, he walked out of some meetings or something like that. And so you know, when you talk about increasing of, um, you know, 700,000 barrels, the question is, is which countries are going to increase the barrels and which countries have the actual capacity? So you can say, so for instance, we could say, they could, OPEC come out today and say, well, uh, Venezuela is going to increase uh, production by a million barrels a day. And everyone everyone would laugh because we know that Venezuela can't do that. They I mean, uh, they could if they were a, a country that was running functionally. But the way they're at right now, they just can't do that. So you say, so when people throw out these numbers, 600,000, 700,000, you're like, okay, well who actually is going to increase this production level? Because not all the countries can actually uh, ramp up production as um, it's, it's, we're led to believe sometimes. And so only certain countries can do it. Who's going to take up the slack and stuff like that. Those details, at least according to this report from Ellen, haven't been worked out or she didn't cover it here. Um, but we will know all that I'm sure by next week. And if you're curious about OPEC stuff, Energy Week podcast, Ellen and I will be breaking all of this down. Plus have on the folks from Gas Buddy next week. So it should be a a, a good show talking about all this.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to be following. I think they're supposed to be meeting again Saturday, so definitely be following that that meeting and any news that comes out of it. Some other stuff that came out, Ryan. I think this would probably be the biggest article we cover uh, this week. Is uh, the side of the article is the biggest U.S. oil patch is near its limit. We've been talking about this for quite some time, Ryan. The, there, there's not there's not enough uh, structural pipelines in place to get this. Tr- transportation uh port transport this oil to the appropriate places for for it to be refined. And not only with the, the, the canal that they're the channel uh that they're deepening, but the the pipelines that are there that need to be built in order for all this oil to be transported is lagging way, way behind. And it's causing the the area, the Permian to reach capacity. So in three or four months, production is going to have to ramp way, way down because they're not going to be able to transport the oil because everything's going to be at capacity.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm really mixed on this, Josh. Um, you know, I reached out to David Blackman yesterday to see if he'd come on and talk about these comments, but he was unavailable, unfortunately, but you know, this really caught a lot of people off guard. Um, Pioneers CEO Scott Sheffield coming out saying this yesterday at the OPEC summit. So real quick, they have the summit and then they actually have, or the seminar rather, and then they have the meeting. So this was at the seminar. And, you know, he said that we will reach, quote, we will reach capacity in in the next three to four months. And he goes on to say, some companies will have to shut in production. Some companies will give, I'm sorry, will move rigs away. And some companies will be able to continue growing because they have firm transportation. Um, you know, and so Pioneer stock yesterday, I know, took a hit. And, and so for him to, uh, this morning it's back up, but um for him to say that was astonishing because um first off, you got to look at it and go, okay, three to four months. I mean, that's, and, and, you know, that sounds like, a, okay, well, it's, it's a quarter off, but I mean, that'll be here. I mean, we're in June yeah. already. That'll be here in just a few months. And so, what kind of impact could we be seeing here? I don't know. But, you know, you sit back and you go, wow, how do, we, how do we think about that? Is he right? Is he just kind of grandstanding? Again, now he is the CEO of a publicly traded company, which means that his stock um, value will be impacted on just by anything he says, uh, you know, if it's, if it's positive or negative. And so for him to come out and say this, I mean, I was talking to some people yesterday. They were all kind of astonished that he came out and just said it like that. It's like, wow. What does that mean? Um, and there's there's a lot of potential impacts that we could see if he's right on this. Now we know that there was a problem. We know that there is a problem, and it will be a problem with with uh, lack of pipeline capacity, as you mentioned. But to say three four months, it, it, you know, that's I mean that's that's kind of an interesting thing. So here would be my thoughts on this. First off, um, I want to see some more reaction from other people. I know I've got some fillers out to some other producers to, to see what they think about this. Um, but just for the audience standpoint, because we always try to bring a business spin on things, Josh, if I'm working for a producer, it's real simple. I call them up. I say, Hey man, what do you think about what the CEO at Pioneer said? Not in, in, just vague like that and let them respond. If they go, Oh yeah, he's right. Then the follow-up's pretty simple. Uh, Is he talking about guys like you? (laughs) I don't know if I'd be, be that blunt necessarily, but like, Oh, so are you guys worried about this? you know and so that that's that seems to be number 1 just to kind of fill out um your your potential clients because if he is right we could have listeners who are out there right now and I I don't do not want to be chicken little so don't take this as chicken little the sky's falling because that's, that's not the case um in the long term for sure but I, I would talk to my clients and say hey if I'm in the upstream business hey uh you know what's going on what do you guys know what do you guys hear and you know stuff like that just to just to find out what what are they um, what are they thinking? The other thing is, if you're not doing work in the midstream business, I think now is a good time to look at that because the midstream business is going to be going on really well through 2019. Um, OPEC said that they think that the pipeline shortage could go into 2020. Now I don't I haven't read the full context of the quotes. So I'm not sure why, but here's what I think they might be thinking. So let's just presume that that, that Pioneer's right. So you have drilling levels at X today, and pipeline capacity needs to be at Y, okay? And Y represents capacity plus excess. So X is the representation of current drilling production. Y is uh, pipeline capacity plus some excess. Well, if drilling starts slowing down in the second half of the year because there's not enough pipelines, and the pipelines are being built, being built, being built, and they're slowly catching back up, Right. And then we get into, let's just say, the third quarter of 2019. And by the third quarter of 2019, companies know at that point in time that, hey, um, pipeline capacity is going to be here, which is, uh, 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 I'm sorry, Y is going to be here, which is capacity plus excess. Then they'll start looking to drill again, right? So then the question would be is, is, when they start drilling, how fast will they catch up to that excess that we talked about? So will they catch up to the excess in six months? six years and so it could be a situation where they could catch back up to the excess relatively fast and you don't have enough lead time to build more pipeline and so you could see not a bottleneck like we have now but another bottleneck to where prices are pinched um i think hess yesterday said that 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 wti uh, for some for some producers is being will be discounted as much as 25 dollars a barrel because they can't get it out on um the most effective way. So you could, So I think that might be where OPEC's going, but here's what that means. If you're in the midstream business, there's a lot of work, a lot of work because they got to build these pipelines. So it's, it's, it's not doom and gloom. It's not the skies falling. It is something that if you're on the upstream side of the business, I think you need to sit down with your client and say, Hey, what do you think about these comments? And if they, and if they say, Oh, yeah, they're talking about companies who don't have so and so uh you know committed pipelines. We've got, you know, Kendra Morgan that's committed to build X amount of pipelines for us. We're good to go. Then I'd you know, I would be like, okay. But if they are kind of like, you know, hmm, I'm not too sure, then I, I I would definitely try to probe that and also look for other upstream or midstream clients. The final thing I would say is um, as David Blackman pointed out when we were talking about this on Twitter yesterday, um, this will also, as Pioneer said, we'll see rigs shift. So rigs will, will will now appear in the Eagleford or in uh the Scoop and Stack, maybe the Balkan, because you know, if now Pioneer, they have all their eggs, or at least most of them. I don't know if they sold off all their assets or not, but most of their assets are in the Permian Basin. But if you have someone who has um you know, Eagleford assets or scoop and stack assets or Balkan assets, they're gonna sit back and go, you know what? um, it would benefit us to take away a rig from the Permian and move it down the Eagleford because there's no reason to keep pushing against this wall. So I know it's a lot to digest there. I hope it, hope it kind of makes sense.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what I was expecting Ryan was to hear that, uh, different areas that have a more developed transportation system, and pipelines. That was kind of what I was expecting to hear. Um, I know we've talked a little bit about the Permian and where they're able to drill and, and, uh, costs that are involved and how uh, many companies are finding that it's uh, their overall investment for them to drill there due to these, some of these pipelines possibly being in capacity in three to four months. If that's true, I would expect to see it to, to move move away. And also, before we move over to the EIA, I got a little tongue-tied a minute ago, Ron. It was the Porta Corpus Christi I was mentioning uh, that needed to be deepened. And so there's issues coming from several different directions with limits on being able to get this stuff. Out, get the oil that we drill out where it needs to go. So we're we're facing uh, some bottlenecks on on a couple, from, uh, a couple different directions actually. So that was what I was uh, what I was hinting at a few minutes ago. Uh, um, we have EIA data that came out, Ryan, that shows that the crude inventory declined by 5.9, uh, nine five point nine million barrels last week. Um, that that was a little surprising to me to see that that it declined. That much. Is that just something that is reflected from the prices going down over the last couple of, you know, the last two weeks? Or is that, um, it just I didn't expect it. I was expecting it to kind of be balanced, I guess.
0: Right. Well, we are in summertime. And so you're going to see refineries that are, are going to put more products just because it's summertime. So you got, um, you know, gasoline, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. So you, you have a strain on demand right now um, uh, on the demand side, on the supply side. Because it is summer driving season and stuff like that. Also, I think it's important to note. You know, we talk about OPEC. The reason they're increasing is because the global demand for oil is only going up. And barring some, and this is why I said a second ago, I'm not saying the sky is falling because I'm not. The as we understand the global demand forecast right now. Now, all this could change with a global recession or major recession from the U.S. or China or something like that. But where we stand today. And where the economies of the world are, if you are in the oil and gas business, you are giving yourself a pound the back saying attaboy a boy," because the demand projections are all upwards, so the demand projections are upwards um and you have a country like venezuela who's who cannot hold up their end of the bargain for lack of a better term. You have the Iran- there are Iranian sanctions coming on board, you have all these factors that are that are restricting the supply. Um and then now if you look at Permian producers who are struggling to get out their oil, that's also going to restrict the supply. So you have a lot of things that are going on here. And it's a headline that, yeah, I I know what you're saying. That you sit back and you go, Oh wow, everything's great. We're booming we're we're booming, we're uh booming and I can't think of the <laughs> the term there. We're blowing and going, that's what I'm thinking if We're blown and going. Uh man, and and you look at the supply numbers you go, Oh wow, they're down. The demand right now is uh, it's, it's it's there's a lot of factors going into the demand. And the supply side, we have countries like Venezuela, Iran, um, that are struggling to to hold up. Um, well, Iran from sanctions that are that they can't get out the barrels that they need to get out. And so, yeah. Um, so if you look at it from the standpoint of the news, it's kind of like, oh wow, okay, things are going great. But you kind of dig in deep, it actually makes sense to see the decrease. And this is why we need to get these pipelines built. We need to get the port um, dredged. We need to get all these things done. We need to get this oil to market because uh, there is a demand right now to capitalize on.
1: You know, and speaking of this run, so there's a couple of things that I saw, so I've, I've noticed obviously like everybody else that gas come down. Um and David Blackman he has a you know, interesting article about uh, the way the, the gas prices are actually in higher demand right now and um and there's shorter supply and yet the prices are still going down. It's kind of a, a unique thing. You don't see that happen very often in in, uh, in free markets where the supply goes down demand goes up and the price goes down that's very rare to see um and he points that out but the the, the issue i think is that the well it's obvious that the, the oil prices per barrel have, have gone down for the last two weeks and that has caused that's caused the the gas price to go down some but right. what i was surprised to see is that the oil prices went down and the supply went down i just that's something that i'm not used to seeing but i, I guess it could just be uh, just a delay a delay in, in the the you know the supplier going down that's probably going to cause the prices to go up which I know you got OPEC in there as well that's another factor that affects some of these uh, oil prices so a lot of moving parts
0: yeah yeah so we'll, we'll touch on David's shell splinter real quick and you know you're, you're right we're, we're seeing this but right now prices are up so the lag between Oil prices and gas prices in the, the few weeks, as he points out. So in a few weeks from now, the price of gasoline will probably tick back up some. Um, but you know, the oil price we have to remember it, it is obviously a market-based price. But the market is you know it's traded and it's traded off of. We talked about speculation, fear, news, you know, stuff like that. And so when we say the market, um, we're not always talking about the market in the truest sense. Josh has six pencils. Ryan wants to buy seven. You know, so Josh knows that. He jacks up the price. Okay. Uh, that's not exactly how... It's not as clean as that deal you know, with the oil prices. Um, there's a lot of other factors. You know, we talked about one time prices jumped off of a potential meeting with Trump in North Korea. You know, so you have things that affect the prices. So, yeah, you have to kind of watch multiple facets to, to make sure you get the clear picture because um, the traders... We always have to remember this. The traders are there to make money. Um, if they're trading oil, they're there to make money. And so... um, you know, that's, obviously they want to get the market right, but, 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 you know, trader A and trader B, how they view the market and stuff like that, um, it could be different. So yeah, but you know, it, 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 it's one of these things where, and the, the final point make of this is that when you look at these metrics, you always kind of have to reevaluate how you look at the metrics because the market does change. The market is fluid and, um, at different times of the year, uh, traders and investors are looking at different things, companies are looking at different things. And, um, and so it does, it does make it a little, a little complicated.
1: Yeah, it does. It does. Well, Ryan, we are uh, getting to our Texas roundup section of the show. We are going to cover a few deals that have come out this over the past week or so. Some mergers, acquisitions, job opportunities. Uh, all, all of this. So we have uh, about five things that came out this week. One of them uh, we're going to save for the end, which is uh, very shocking to me, Ryan. But uh, the first one that we're going to mention is Kalish. Am I saying right, Ryan? Kalish. Development Partners to Expand Storage Facility in Beaumont, Texas. I believe so. show. all right, hope, hopefully it's that. Uh, they're a Houston-based company. They announced on June 21st that they are going to uh, be doing some expansion on uh, some of their storage facilities for hydrocarbon and oils. So we think that it might be some opportunities there is going to come in available uh, uh, for them. Something to check out at least. Venado uh, Actually, this was something that I've been waiting on them to buy some more Eagleford uh, stuff since they bought. They bought some about a month or so, uh, but they are buying some acreage from Texas Americans Resources, LLC. It's a private equity provider, and it's for an undisclosed amount. They're not sure what they're paying for it, but on June 1st, they announced that they are going to be getting some more acreage there. Hey,
0: re- 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 real quick there, Josh. um Veneto, Venado. I'm not sure exactly which way it goes, but, you know, you mentioned their recent acquisition, and you know who they bought that from, right?
1: Uh, I do. I just uh, I just looked at it a second ago. They bought it from Cabot. Cabot. Oh, Cabot. oh we got to get on old, uh, no, old Sergio. Not anymore.
0: You, know, you know, Sergio, I know you're out there. I know you're listening, and uh, here's our Cabot oil and gas update. So, I think we I think we covered this story when it happened, but uh, anyway, Sergio, um, you're always welcome on, buddy. But no, I, I talked to Sergio the other day. I said, man, we can to get you back on, but uh, you know, I, I don't think he has our capital on
1: gas update yet for us. No, he might not be able to get one now. But <laughs> <they're> <laughs> we, we covered it for him. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, uh, the next one, Ryan, is you, prosecutors accuse Texas old man... Frackmaster, of fraud. Actually, I didn't send this one to you, Ron. I thought this was interesting. This guy, uh, he goes by the name Frackmaster, um, was was actually arrested this week, and he defrauded investors of sixty two point six million dollars. Uh, prosecutors said that on Thursday. So that was just an interesting story. That's probably not something anyone else is interested in, but uh, I saw it. I was like, oh my goodness, man, Mr. Frackmaster. Frack Ma- <laughs> He strikes again. Uh, we got another one. Fluor uh, achieves substantial engineering completion on Marathon Petroleum Project in Texas. Uh, so they are uh, – Fluor, yeah. they've been working on a project for Marathon. I hope I'm saying that right. Yeah, well, I think um, it's Fluor.
0: Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, they got that um, – they've been working to get those 2020 um, sulfur standards up to date. And so it looks like they're going to – um, you know, hit that target like they've been hoping to, so that was good to see. Yep,
1: yep. So uh, that was, yeah, we, I think they talked a little bit about that at some point a couple weeks ago, Ryan. But uh, the last one, this is the one that I thought was uh, going to be the most shocking. Our sponsor, Drilling Info, uh, to be acquired by PE firm Genstar Capital. Uh, they are going to be acquiring Drilling Info. So Drilling Info has been acquiring so many companies. Like in acquisitions in the last two years, I think uh, they've been getting research uh, departments, research research companies, uh, engineering companies, technology. They've been just acquiring so much. So, so Genstar Capital is going to be acquiring Drilling Info, and what they're what they're saying is that basically, see, Drilling Info is something to come in and enhance all of their potential uh, on what they're capable of. You know, uh, I was so did you have? I- I
0: was, a dis- I was a little disappointed in this, to be honest with you, Josh. Um, c- well, first off, congratulations to Drilling Info. But, you know, I-, I mean, I'm not saying they got acquired because they sponsored our show, but it feels like that's the case, and we didn't get a single shout-out. I mean, Star Capital probably heard about Drilling Info for the first time ever on the show. I was like, hey, we should look into those guys, and probably sign up for the free trial, and was like, oh, wow, this is good stuff, and acquired them, and we didn't even get an attaboy. I feel like we deserved an attaboy.
1: I know. I mean, we're changing international policies with Trump listening to our show.
0: Yeah, Trump listens oh, to the show. Oh,
1: now, and now, now Drilling Info is getting acquired, and we're just underappreciated, so, man.
0: We'll, we'll write our own headline, Drilling Info Acquired After Sponsoring Texas Oil & Gas Podcast by <laughs> private equity firm GenStar Capital. So congratulations in all seriousness to Alan Gilmore and all the team over there at Drilling Info. Good folks. We love them over there. Get your free trial by going to com slash courthouse get your free $100 today um, but no this was good news exciting for them they've been you know they, they're out there they're doing good work and so um, love the folks over drilling info
1: well Ryan, the last thing is going to be our drilling info uh rig count I'm actually pulling that up as we speak and I haven't looked at this in a couple of weeks go for it Ryan. what you got none Oh, I thought you about to say something. All right, so we're at one thousand one hundred and twenty four. So about 1,124. Right? Is that what you said? 1,100. yep, one thousand one hundred and twenty four. So that's down four from when you did it. No.
0: Yeah, we didn't we don't do it when you're not here, Josh. You're the only one who's capable of mastering such um complicated tasks as that. That's uh, <laughs> the show falls apart when you leave. So um we, we did not we did not cover it last week. Um you know, I didn't want Ellen to steal your job completely. Yeah, uh, although she did keep the seat warm and do do a good job, I did not want her to take all of your all of your glory. But no, 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 we didn't. One thousand twenty-four. going to be interesting to track, Josh. Um, especially this Permian news. You know, I'm not big on the uh, some some people. Depending on where you're at in the business, for me, I'm more of a quarter by quarter, year by year on the drilling uh, rig count type stuff, month by month, maybe even. Um, some people like it on a weekly basis, which is why we give it out. Um, but I think now. In line of the Pioneer news, you know, we should probably write this number down, say 1,024 on June 22nd, and, you know, in three months, come back and see where that's at, because you should see, if he's right, that numbers start to fall. You'll see some rigs move to other places, but some rigs will just go away. So it'll be interesting to watch over the next few months.
1: Yeah, that will be something interesting to watch, Ryan, for sure, because I, I think that's going to be the biggest news and how that plays out, whether he's at right or wrong on that. Or I say right or wrong, it just depends on how. All that plays out, really. Right,
0: right, right, right. Well, Josh, I guess it's about time to wrap it up. It's good to have you back, buddy. Thanks again for your help the book. And if you are interested in a career and own oil and gas book, you can find that on Amazon. Look me up or Alfonso Colombano, the co-author there. Um, if you're interested in some OPEC discussion, we'll be doing that this week on Energy Week with Ellen Wald, who you heard on this show last week. Um, And Alfonso Colombano and myself will be doing some recap of the markets on the oil and gas market recap. And then um, I know we have the event I mentioned just a second ago for the Desk and Derek Club in July. Ryan at Global Energy Media. For that or questions, comments, or concerns, be sure to find me there. Uh, For Josh Shelton, this is Ryan Ray And until next time, keep climbing. (music)